So fill in the blank. Jesus died for our blank. I figured sins would be the most common answer. That's that's a correct answer. So if you answered nice, nicely, nicely done. But there's other right answers too. It could have been Jesus died for our shame. Jesus died for our sickness. Jesus died for our bondage. Jesus died for our oppression and our depression and our anxiety and our heaviness. Jesus died for us. Jesus died so that we could be whole. Jesus died so that we could be free. Today, I just want to tell a story. I want to tell a true story of love and sacrifice and rejection. Intentional, planned out, purposeful, but incredibly difficult rejection. And what I want to talk about, what I want to show us in Scripture, is that Jesus died for our rejection. You guys, rejection has been around as long as sin has been around. We see in Genesis chapter 3, we see what happened when Adam and Eve, they sinned and then they ran. So let's pick up in verse 7 of Genesis 3. We're going to read 7 through 10. It says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. What an interesting phrase. I heard the sound of you. Lord, I pray that today what we're hearing is the sound of you. I pray that what we heard in worship was the sound of you. What we hear coming from the kids' room is the sound of you. What we hear in the foyer and the greeting and the laughing is the sound of you. And what comes forth as we proclaim the goodness of God is the sound of you. And Adam said he heard the sound of you. He was talking to God. I, I heard the sound of you. And I was fearful and I was afraid. And I felt like I didn't belong. So I hid. The minute that sin entered this world, several things came about that we still struggle with today. Fear. Escapism. Shame. Fear of exposure. And rejection. Not belonging. Adam hid because he felt like he no longer belonged in the presence of a holy God. And so he hid from the presence of God. Instead of running to the presence of God, he hid from the presence of God because he felt like he didn't belong. I don't fit. I don't belong. And he felt rejection. I want to be abundantly clear today that we, we never have to run from the presence of God. We can run into the arms of a loving God 
Because he says we belong. He ensured that we belong through the completed work of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Rejection. The need to fit in. It's powerful. We still struggle with it. You don't believe me? I'm not a gambling man. But I bet you five bucks the stupidest thing you ever did was so that you could fit in with someone else. So that you could be accepted by someone else or get approval for someone else. Guys, there's about seven things on your list. And they were done to, to find approval from a group of dudes that, that you wanted you know, them to think you're cool. The most of them you did, and I did, because of a girl, to find approval. Ladies, you're not exempt. This, the least smart thing you ever did was probably for the sake of, not stupidest, Dudes, we can be stupid. You're just the least smart thing you ever did was probably to find approval from a guy as well. Approval matters, guys. Acceptance matters. And we can't pretend like it doesn't. We can't put up this hard facade and say, I don't care. I don't care. I don't need this bull. We care. We all have a need to be accepted. We all have a, a need to belong. We are born with rejection and we battle whether or not we belong, I believe, until we find our new identity in Jesus Christ and we let him define who we are. Just like we needed God's gift of grace to pay the price of the weight of sin, we also needed him to pay for the heaviness of rejection. You know what God's gift of grace is? It's awesome. It says that I've been accepted because of Jesus' performance, not my own. I've been accepted. I belong. I'm part of a family because of the performance of Jesus Christ. And I point to the cross over here. Not because of my performance. If it's my performance or if it's your performance, we're never going to measure up because we're flawed, because we blow it. But Jesus was perfect. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you knew what was coming but you didn't know how it would feel until it happened? You knew what was coming but you just you weren't certain how it would feel. It could be good. It could be something good. Like like the birth of a child. You know, you know the baby's coming. But until you see that baby and you hold that baby, there's nothing that can prepare you for how that feels, right? Or the bad. You know, a tough review or a layoff or, or a death of a loved one is coming. And you think you know what it's going to be like. But until you, until you experience it, it hits you. We don't always, we're not always prepared for how that's going to feel. I believe this is what Jesus experienced on the cross. His last few moments on the cross when he was abandoned by the Father and, and laid nailed to that cross alone. 
Mark 15.34 tells us of this. It says, And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Church, I need you to know this. I need you to know this. Jesus didn't just feel abandoned. Jesus was abandoned. He was abandoned. And nothing could prepare him for how that felt. Wait a second. Doesn't God say he will never leave us and, and never forsake us? Yes, he does. He, it's actually twice. It's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's in Deuteronomy 31. And it's also in Hebrews 13. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. But friends, that wasn't written for Jesus. That was written for us. And it was written for us and made possible only through the work of Jesus Christ that included him being abandoned and rejected. That's how God can say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you because Jesus paid the price of rejection on the cross. The word forsaken means this, to completely abandon, to leave totally, to reject. Jesus was rejected by the Father. At his most dire moment, at the moment that he needed his father the most, it was at that moment that the father did abandon him and forsake him. And the father did it for you and he did it for me. But Jesus also did it for you and did it for me. Jesus knew the plan. Jesus signed up for the plan. Jesus authored the plan. Jesus knew what was going to happen. This didn't come as a surprise to him. Father, I know that I'm going to have to be alone and I'm going to have to bear the weight of the world and I'm going to have to bear the sin and the shame of everyone. And I'm going to have to abandon and I'm going to have to bear abandonment and rejection and not belonging. I'm signing up for it, Father. Jesus knew the plan. But when it happened, he wasn't prepared for what it would feel like. So when it did happen, he had a loud emotional cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus was dying on the cross, John records his last words. And in John 19, 28 through 30, we see those last words. After this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when he had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I thirst. And then it is finished. 
all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, when we see water, water is almost always representative of the Holy Spirit. Water is the primary symbol used to describe and convey the Holy Spirit. So he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the presence of the Father was lifted. And then he says, I thirst. Why? Because if God, if God leaves him, God's got to leave him completely. And the presence of the Holy Spirit lifted. And at that moment, he knew he was alone. He said, I thirst. I'm without the living water. I'm without the one who brings life and quenches. It is finished. Friends, Jesus was rejected so that you and I could be accepted. If you are a believer, I want you to hear this. God is never going to reject you. And the reason is because he rejected Jesus for you. But you have to believe. You have to believe. Belief is vital, guys. Belief is salvation. It's not a, there's not a class we, 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 we got to take. If you come to Impact Rock Church, we got a 29-week class on how to be saved. There's a bunch of tasks you got to do. There's a bunch of people you got to feed. There's a bunch of old people that we got to just help across the street. We got money you got to give. There's a lot. No. We believe. We believe. We believe in Jesus Christ alone as the way to the Father and we are saved. Belief is salvation. And we've got to believe that the price that Jesus paid was for us. That we don't have to endure rejection. We don't have to endure abandonment. Now that doesn't mean that here on this earth we won't be rejected. And that we won't be abandoned. Because life is life. And and difficult things happen. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it has no power against us. Because of the blood of Jesus. That we can run to Him and we find our identity in Him and we say, I'm accepted, I belong, I'm strengthened, I'm strong, I'm yours, I'm loved. Lord, carry me through this because this is a difficult time. And we hide in Him and we find ourselves in Him. We were born rejected, but we are born again accepted. Part of this story of love and sacrifice and rejection that I'm telling you includes a sub-story, a story within the story, if you will, of a very unworthy person that Jesus died for that day on the cross. The person that I speak of did horrible things. He was cruel. He was angry. He was the kind of person that took matters into his own hands and forced his will upon people. He was violent. This guy had no faith. Not as far as we can see. He had no belief that Jesus was good, much less God. Romans 5, 6-8 says this, For while we were still weak 
and flawed and filthy. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This could have been written by the person who I'm talking about. This mystery person could have penned these words of saying, for while I was despicable and weak, at the exact right time, Christ died for me, the most ungodly person of anyone I know. It's really hard for me to fully embrace and to imagine Jesus dying for this despicable person. It's hard because Jesus is so good. He's so right. He's true and he's loving and he's kind. And this other guy was so bad. Do you know who I'm talking about? The story within the story is about a man named Barabbas. And this man was vile. And he was guilty. And that was indisputable. He was found guilty and he was guilty. And we don't see any indication that his heart desired anything other than to continue what he was doing. Barabbas was violent and murderous and he was undeserving of the pardon that he received. All four Gospels tell this story of Barabbas. He's mentioned in all four Gospels. There's some pretty great people in in the Bible that aren't mentioned in all four Gospels, but Barabbas is. And the thing that fires me up is that people actually begged and shouted, free Barabbas and kill Jesus. They shouted it. They demanded it. They begged for it. And that wrecks me. Give us Barabbas. Give him freedom. Let him go. Pardon Barabbas. But at what cost? Jesus. Crucify Jesus. Put him on a cross. Let his blood be spilt out. Let his life be ripped from him. That's the cost. They demanded that our innocent Savior, Jesus Christ, be given the most shameful and horrific death possible instead of this guilty thug. Instead of the guilty thug paying for the callous crimes that he had committed, they demanded Jesus. But you know the thing that really wrecks me the most? Is that I am Barabbas. I am Barabbas. You are Barabbas. We are Barabbas. It is our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And, and the sins may differ, but they may not differ. Sin is sin. But it's our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. And there were voices that cried out, Release her. Release him. Pardon him. Ignore his sin. Ignore her sin. 
Pardon them. Release them. Let them go. There were many voices yelling. They were angry that day. They were hateful that day. But there's one voice that was most influential that day. And that voice was silent. That voice was silent. He didn't say a word. Jesus refused to say a word out loud for the understanding that he wanted nothing to get in the way of what he had to accomplish, what he was here to accomplish. So he was silent. But here's what his words were to the Father. Put me on the cross. Let Barabbas go. Ignore his sins. And let me pay for the... Put me on the cross. Don't let Barabbas be punished for his sins. Father, put me on the cross. Father, let them find me guilty. Father, let you find me guilty. Lord, let me endure rejection and shame. And put me on that cross. When we read this story, ignore the voices, the hateful voices that are demanding Jesus be crucified and listen to that one voice that we cannot hear, the one of Jesus saying, put me on the cross so that they can be free. This is the Jesus we serve, friends. This is the Jesus we believe in. This is the Jesus I've given my all for. This is the the Jesus we give our all for. And this is the Jesus who no man forced him into this. He volunteered. He laid down his life willingly. No one took the life of Jesus Christ. He laid it down. He endured a punishment that the strongest 10 men combined in this room couldn't endure. That the strongest 10 women in this room couldn't endure. And he did it for you and for I. And he died but before that moment of death, he was rejected. And he was abandoned for a short while. Just until death came. Just until death came. And oh boy, once death came, that was a game changer. The death that Jesus endured was temporal. He rose from that grave. What we celebrate today is a risen Savior, a risen Jesus Christ. He lived, He died, He lives again. I love that. Let me be rejected. Father, let me be rejected by men. Let me be abandoned by you. Let it happen to me. Let me be rejected by those closest from me and abandoned by them. So that the world can be accepted by you. So that the world can belong to us. Ephesians 1.6 says this, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us what? Accept it in the beloved. Psalm 48, 6 says this, God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out prisoners to prosperity. I don't know what happened to Barabbas. 
I, I, I don't know the end of his story. There's a lot of people in this room I don't know, I don't know your story and I, I certainly don't know the ending of your story. But I know right now you're being presented with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. It means good news. The good news that Jesus is real, that he loves you, and that we can have identity in him that is full. That not only can we have life, we can have it to the fullest. The only reason that you and I are accepted by God is because Jesus was rejected in our place. Jesus is our substitute. Jesus took our place. Jesus was rejected so that you and I could be accepted. Do you want to be free from sin? Then believe this true story. I didn't make it up. A good author didn't make it up. This is a true story. Believe it. You want to be free from rejection? Believe in Jesus. You guys, there's no hoops to jump through. There's no laps to take. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. You don't even have to understand it all. You don't even have to put it all together. You just got to believe and say, Lord, I believe in you. And now I ask you to teach me. Holy Spirit, you're described as the teacher and the guide and the counselor. So guide me. Guide me into the truth of Jesus. I don't understand it all right now, but I believe. I believe in my heart. Deuteronomy 31.6. I made reference to it earlier. I want to read it now. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Please hear me. You do belong. You do. You are accepted. You are awesome. I love what Brad said about, about the lunch we have next week. Hey, just come and have lunch with a bunch of awesome people. We are awesome. You're awesome. You are. We're all unique and cool. We've got these wonderful little things about us. And we've got the most amazing Father who made us that way. Don't blend. Stand out. God called you to be you. And if you're loud, then be loud. That's why I'm loud. That's why Paul's loud. If you're quiet, be quiet, but I'm not going to point you out because the quiet people don't want to be pointed out. Paul wants to be pointed out. The quiet people don't want to be pointed out. But you belong. If you're looking for a church home, I want you to know you belong here. There is no set look. There's no template. There's no cookie cutter. We love Jesus. We need Jesus. We're a needy people. So we come and we lift ourselves before him and we exalt Jesus. Period. Rejection and that lack of belonging are the consequences of sin. And Jesus paid for it. So let's not walk in it, friends. Jesus was rejected by the Father. He will never be rejected by the Father again, but I want to make something abundantly clear. 
Jesus can still be rejected. He can. By you and I. We can reject him. 1 Peter 2, 6 and 7 says this. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus, will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You guys, unbelief doesn't negate truth. Whether or not you believe does not negate the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus is real. He is love. He is mighty. Unbelief does not negate truth. But belief is salvation. This is my last verse. Romans 10, 9-11 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scriptures say, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Jesus died on the cross so that we could belong. And if, and if that's something that's a struggle in your life, belonging or rejection, I just want you to know you can find freedom in it today. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus.